thanks for joining us here today. On behalf of the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education, I'd like to welcome you to the War Memorial Opera House and the San Francisco Ballet Meet the Artist program. My name is Cheryl Osola. I'm a writer for San Francisco Ballet and editor-in-chief of Dance Studio Life magazine. And it is my pleasure today to be interviewing uh, film producer and director Kate Duhamel. Please welcome her. I'd also like to welcome those of you who listen to these podcasts, uh, to, to these, I do that all the time, to these interviews via podcast on our website. If you're one of them, we're recording this interview on Sunday, April 12th, 2015. So you can find them at sfballet.org, and while you're there, take a look around. There's plenty to keep you occupied. You'll find dancer bios, casting information, uh, the company's blog, Open Studio 455, um, adult education programs, and lots more. And if you would like more information today about the Meet the Artist program, take a look at page 10 in your program books. So speaking of books, we have a new art book this year. I'm going to hold it up here for a second. It's called The Look Book. And it's a beautiful collection of dancer portraits and other cool photographs, uh, all taken by our resident photographer, Eric Thomason. And you can find it for sale in the lobby and in the ballet shop. That's on the mezzanine level. So my guest today, Kate Duhamel, uh, played an integral part in bringing Yuri Posikov's vision to life for his ballet swimmer. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But first, a little about Kate. She has um, produced and directed narrative and documentary films through her production company, Fountain Three Films, for 15 years. In the last five years or so, she's focused on making short uh, imaginative dance films. Uh, the first one was with a renowned tap dancer, Jason Samuel Smith. And, um, a recent film paired hip-hop dancers Le Twins with two of our company's dancers, Sarah Van Patten and Doris Andre. And you can also uh, see other current and former San Francisco ballet dancers in Kate's films. Uh, Sean Bennett, Garen Scribner, Damian Smith, Lonnie Weeks, Madison Kiesler, and there may be others I'm leaving out. So Kate's ties to the arts world um, go a little bit deeper than filmmaking. She's also on the San Francisco Ballet Board of, of Directors as a trustee, and she's on the boards at Alonzo King Lines Ballet and SF Jazz as well. So, swimmer. Um, you know, your films are typically independent works of art. They are, I often use uh, digital effects. Um, they are an art form in, the, in and of themselves. But for Swimmer, uh, you're using film to be a part of what is a live performance. So it's a different sort of a medium for you. So is this the first time you've done this kind of work? Yes, it is the first time. I've certainly collaborated with other people on some of my work, but it's the first time I've been working uh, in this way to um, really realize the choreographer's vision, um, which did not start with me. And it's a lot more animation than I've ever had to create before as well. 
And how did you get involved and when did you start this project? So I got involved through Shinji Ashima, who is the composer of the uh, incredible music score that you'll hear today, and he's a friend of mine. And he's, as a filmmaker, he uh, knew that Yuri wanted to have animation in his ballet, so Shinji asked me if I'd like to get involved. And that was about last summer. Um, I think the first communication I had was, well, I probably started talking to Shinji the prior spring. We started sort of working on the project last summer, and started working very hard at the end of November um, on the animation. So the, the film sequences uh, for Swimmer are, it's a combination of things that you do. There's, there's a lot of animation, and there are also uh, filmed sequences of actual people and things. So, um, you know, I don't want to uh, get into anything technical that would be, become too complicated, and I don't want to reveal too many secrets, mm -hmm. but I would be really interested in knowing how you made those creative choices about what kind of mm -hmm. film technique you were going to use for what part of, mm -hmm. of ballet. Yuri had an, he had an idea in his head that he started with, which requires shooting uh, live actors or live dancers on green screen. Um, you'll see those things in the transitional elements tonight where there's a silhouette of a real human being. So that was the starting point, which we knew required live filming of a person uh, against a green background. Um, but he very much wanted animation, which is completely different than live action film. And he wanted to, to be, uh, you know, the, the ballet takes place in the 1960s. Um, and so it drove us really towards 2D animation, uh, as opposed to 3D, which is the kind of thing that you would see in a Pixar movie. Um, so 2D is very evocative of the 1960s, and it's also something that's manageable within the time frame and the budget that we have. So um, we used, uh, so, so that was essentially it. We were gonna have this live action transitional element that we were doing and then 2D animation. It proceeded to get much more complicated than that. And we did end up using Cinema 4D um, uh, to make the rye that you'll see tonight. There's some rye in it that is referencing the story of Catcher in the Rye, and there's also some water that we made with a program called Cinema 4D. Um, and then we also um, have some live action, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but that is not green screen. Uh, the very end of the ballet is just live action film that we shot. So, so were, were those, uh, actually I'm going to interrupt myself and say if you just came in, I'm chatting with uh, film producer and director Kate Duhamel. Um, you know, were these decisions you, you made with Yuri about, you know, how you're, you're enabling him this, in this kind of a collaborative process, you're enabling him to do some things that he wouldn't be able to do mm -hmm. otherwise. And Yuri always has a very clear vision of what he wants, and he also knows when he needs to have other people help him realize it. So how, how did that work? Mm -hmm. Was that a negotiation about how to do it? Basically, the way it worked is Yuri had, there was a story arc in place uh, before, you know, before we started doing our work. The score was also completed. And the energy and the rhythm and the feel in the music very much informs what we're trying to put on screen. 
Um, and then Yuri had these very clear, iconic American images, films, uh, the music that he wanted us to work with. Um, and so I think if you've read the program notes, it's things like the Edward Hopper Nighthawks painting, Catcher in the Rye, the movie The Graduate, uh, the story Lolita. So these weren't all visual images um, that he, that play an important part in the narrative of his story. Um, but it was a pretty eclectic mix of things that we had to work with. They were sort of all over the place in terms of color um, and in terms of what was happening in those. So the way that I would describe that is that we were essentially given this framework and a few things to reference. So you could sort of think of it as like I was given a bucket and then we started putting content in it. Um, so we would dream all that up. Um, so we dreamed up what you actually see uh, and put it in the framework of the story and tried very much to have it work in the way that he wanted it to. Yuri also knew that he wanted to have a very sort of comic beginning and have it evolve towards something much more realistic and serious at the end. Um, so all that was pretty challenging uh, for us to make sense of. Um, but we started, the other thing, about film and animation is it's very hard to know how it feels and, and looks until you see it. Um, so we started making stuff and we made lots and lots and lots of stuff and um, would present that to Yuri and he would, you know, very clear about what he liked and what he didn't like. And, um, and we were surprised sometimes about the things that he liked. There's, we took some real risks and he would say, love it, great. Love it. <laughs> like, okay, well, we'll keep going then. Um, and then in some cases, things are very, very specific that you'll recognize uh, that we really were capturing and putting up there. So um, it, I, say, I would say it's generally a process of us trying things, presenting them to him. In some cases saying, um, you know, we really think this is a good choice. Uh, and then in the end also, um, uh, you know, at some point, you have, you're done. You have to put it up on stage. <laughs> so that, we got there last week. So, so in terms of showing uh, Yuri some possibilities, um, how, how did that work? Did you show him stills? Did you show him little mini movies of how you think things might look? Yeah, you would show him little segments of video, so moving images. So he, would, uh, he was in Russia for three months of, the, of our time period. We would Skype with him. We did that once and showed him video, so he's actually seeing video. But it's all in pieces, uh, very small pieces. And then when he got back, we started meeting with him more regularly. Um, and it's difficult to understand how it's all going to come together when you can only see it in pieces, but we could only show it to him in pieces. And then we started laying it into the full timeline of the ballet with the rehearsal video in there, so you're starting to get a little bit better sense of what it might feel like. Um, but that's how it went, yeah. So it was showing him little pieces of things. And, in off, in many, and it, it's hard because it's often not finished when you're showing it to him. Uh, and so we were showing him things that weren't even close to what we envisioned it being when it was done. And so I think he had to trust us a lot in that regard too. So in terms of like the, the animated images, um, are these things that, that you designed and created or do you ever take existing images and manipulate them to be, you know, meet your needs in a better way? A little bit of both. Most of it's created. Most of it's what you would call original artwork. So I would sort of, uh, 
the, the way that process works is you dream, you sort of imagine what you want to do. You try to look at a whole bunch of reference images or videos. Um, and then I communicate that to the animators. So I would sort of, I, I did a ton of sketching um, and say, let's try this. And then I would work with the animators. They would uh, create what are called the assets, which is an element. So for example, in, in the ballet, you'll see a bus. Um, so he would create a bus and then he would make it move. Um, and then we'd look at it and say, you know, well, let's change everything about that <laughs> now that we see it. Um, so that was the process. So it was a, a, a back and forth in that regard. Um, and then we, it just starts over time coming together. You know, you're starting to say, okay, well, we have this section done and we like that. And now we're going to continue on to the next. Um, and then there are, as I said, some very specific images that you'll recognize. There's one in particular um, that you will recognize. But um, yeah, it was just a lot of dreaming things up that were hopefully evocative of the time period and the feel. Mm -hmm. So in this kind of collaborative work, um, you know, there are always changes along the way. Certainly earlier in the process, you know, when you're working with, with a composer who's working right along with you, you can say, oh, I want 32 more bars here, or I, you know, I want this to do whatever. Um, and that happens earlier in the studio, but, but your stuff really came together in the tech, the tech rehearsal period. How much flexibility do you have at that point to make changes? I did see some pretty big changes. Uh -huh. So can you talk about that? Yes. So um, Yuri wanted um, a front scrim, which is the screen right up here at the front of the stage that the dancers are behind. Um, there's a rear projection element. So the projection uh, of what's happening at the back of the stage is coming from behind. Um, and hitting that screen. The projection that is going to be hitting the front of the screen is up here. He also wanted these panels moving up and down, uh, that these transitional elements that I was describing earlier that will have the silhouettes in them would have been happening on. Um, so we came into tech uh, Friday, week before opening, and um, didn't have time to really properly tech that. But anyway, at that point felt I may be giving a little too much away here, but it was, it was just too much. It was just too much activity of these panels going up and down on stage. They were large panels with a lot of imagery on them that was moving in some cases. And, um, you know, we are here to serve dance and to present dance. And, you know, the decision at that time was that it was a little bit too much and, and that it drew your eye upward rather than really focusing your attention on the dancers. So we removed those panels which created a complete scramble on our end. Um, I think Brandon worked until, you know, you know, two in the morning for those two days. So moving that content that was happening on, supposed to be happening on panels into the center element. So we didn't actually lose the content, um, but we had to move everything around. We, um, so we were able to really adjust timing is kind of what's happening at that point. We were not able to create anything new. Um, Thankfully, I did have to say no once or twice. Nope, that's not happening. <laughs> we don't have time. So, uh, so you say Brandon did some scrambling. What's, what was Brandon's role? So Brandon's the head animator. He, he's the guy who actually creates the animation in the software programs. So he's at a computer all day long making things, making, as I said, the, the actual visual element that you see and making them move. 
and there's a tremendous amount of work. It's very painstaking work, um, and there's a lot of refining that has to occur. Um, and so that was his role, Brandon McFarland. He's, he's amazing. Uh, we had a wonderful working relationship. And like when all of these, what, how it would work is I would stay here in rehearsal and I would essentially be shooting him notes and he was back at the office, you know, doing the refinements that we needed. And then he sent stuff to us online and we would drop it in to a software program that will play it for you tonight. So it was, um, we needed a lot of things to go right. And, uh, but we did, we ended up pulling it all together. <clears throat> if anybody has come in late, I'm chatting with film producer and director Kate Duhamel. So one of the other things I wondered about was just sort of the integration of set and film. Mm -hmm. You know, was the set designed to accommodate film, the film needed to accommodate the set, or was this happening simultaneously, the two of you were working together to make that yeah. fit? Yeah, so Alex Nichols designed the sets. Um, he, and, and Yuri, as I said, had some pretty clear ideas coming in. He knew that he wanted front scrim, and he knew that he wanted panels, and he knew that he wanted elements that dancers can interact with. Um, it's very theatrical in that regard. And he had some very clear ideas about what he was seeking in the sets. The main set piece that you'll see tonight uh, actually started on the video, so we created a house, um, and you'll see it on stage as an actual set piece. Um, but it, and then Alex designed sets before we started our work on video, so he essentially gave us palettes to work with, um, and then uh, and then he went around a couple times. But we have large surfaces that we're projecting on, um, so it was very interactive in that regard. Yeah. Um, and I think we all ended up, you know, we're quite happy with uh, how it's working to put video um, with dance and what the size of those services are and how it's working with the dance. Another thing that was quite interesting was um, how rapid any motion in our animation could be. Um, so you'll see a lot of water elements tonight and we had to keep slowing it down, slower slower, slower, because it, it, it really is a part of the dance uh, when there's any other motion. Um, so it was really a matter of dialing that in and finding what that right amount of motion is, because you certainly don't want it stopped. Then it feels like nothing's happening. So but, that's something that, that might change from scene to scene, uh -huh. according to the choreography. Mm -hmm. Yes, this, this ballet um, evolves in terms of feel. Uh, and you'll notice that. There's some uh, fairly rapid things happening at the beginning. And, and the other component, of course, is lighting. Um, and certainly with film, you have, to, you have to negotiate that as well. You can't have the lighting washing out the Im images or, or whatever. So could you just talk a little bit about how you worked with the designer? Uh, David Finn was the lighting designer for Swimmer. Yeah, um, who was great. Uh, so we didn't start actually working. He doesn't come in and start working till we're all done, and essentially we're in tech rehearsals, and he's lighting the whole piece. It's quite complicated, and he's trying to, we're trying to light the dancers um, and get them seen with all this other light around them. Um, and he's also, you know, helping set mood with color, of course. And uh, so... In some, you know, we would just talk back and forth. He'd say, um, 
Do you, are you comfortable with how much light is on the scene? Do you feel like we can see your projections well enough? So that's kind of, and I would say yes, I, I think that works. And then in um, other cases, you know, we're, we're projecting through the light that he's creating or that he's putting on the stage and on the dancers, but the, the scene requires that. Um, so it's a balance, yeah. Um, it, it, I think it, it'll be interesting, you all make your own decision, but uh, I think you can pretty much see everything the way it's intended to be seen. So your, your role, you're not a filmmaker, you don't stand behind a camera. Yeah. Um, uh, do you do anything hands-on in terms of digital work or, or you know, art renderings, or are you purely the cerebral part of this? Um, <laughs> um, yes, so I never like to shoot. I don't operate camera, as we say. I do say that I am a filmmaker. I do know how to edit. Um, so I am an editor as well, um, so I, I can sit at the computer and do editing, depending on the program. I cannot do animation, so um, yes, I do not do the programs that, I know how to do some of the programs. The main program that the whole film is laid out in is something that I do do, um, but in terms of creating water that moves or working uh, with uh, motion is not something that I do. So yeah, it's a team, it's a real team effort. And you know, Brandon brought great ideas too. Um, he, we, we really got into a groove where, you know, I, I could communicate something and go away and know that he sort of would, when I showed up the next time, it was going to be pretty much what we were both, what I was thinking and what he was thinking. And we, we got on the same page. Yeah. So given that this is a, is a very different uh, form of, of, filmmaking for you. Were you working with people from your company? Um, or did you have to bring in some other types of uh, skills that you didn't, don't normally need? Yeah, so I had never worked with Brandon before. Um, there were other animators involved along the way for small, small pieces of it, um, but I went out and found him. So basically, I got brought in, and then it was my job to figure out how to get it done. So that, for me, that means finding animators that are good to work with and that um, understand the project and are engaged in the project creatively. Uh, because, you know, we're working on a very limited budget. And um, so it just ended up being, it was just, just a wonderful collaboration in that regard. Um, yeah. I'm going to open this up to questions from all of you in just a moment. Um, and, and before we do that, I just wanted to ask if you want to tell us about any upcoming projects we should keep an eye out for. Um, yeah, well, I just shot a couple films with Damien Smith, and we're now working on another project uh, that um, has some other ballerinas involved in. Uh, I'm not sure what I can say, uh, but um, some other uh, a very notable piece that you have all seen him dance many times uh, and working with ballerinas around the world on that. So that's one other thing we're working on. Um, and I've just got some other ideas cooking. I'm also working on a website that, ha that um, is dance related. I won't get into all the detail on that, but um, yeah, plenty to do. <laughs> Great, thank you. Yes. How many people were involved in the video and animation portions of Swimmer? I mean, there were two of us. So it was Brandon and me were kind of the heavy lifters. Um, over the course of it, I had four other animators work on it at different times. One was in Germany, one was in the UK. 
um, that's typical now these days of people are all over the world, um, contributing pieces to, to the animation, not much of which are, are in. Um, but, but basically it was the two of us. Um, I got very comfortable on his couch. <laughs> Spent many, many, many days there. I knew we were really comfortable with each other when I was actually lying on his floor. <laughs> I, I have to ask, do you have any idea how many hours went into this? Just, well, just you, not, not even counting anybody else. Well, I only know about Brandon because I did ask him. Uh, we were sort of budgeted for 400 hours of animation time, so this isn't my time. I did a bunch of you know, thinking and sketching and all that. He has doubled that. He himself has spent over 800 hours at this point. He's probably pushing 900. Once you see it, that will become <laughs> very clear to you. <laughs> oh, 4D. What, what is 4D? Good question. It's the fancy name of a program that makes 3D animation. Um, I think the fourth dimension is probably time, but it's, it's what it's called, Cinema 4D. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was asking when the technology all came together, and that was last week. Sure. When did the dancers start interacting with all of the tech components? Right, so the main choreography was done all last November. Um, and so that's when Yuri did the huge bulk of the creation of the movement, and that was prior to us working. Um, but they saw the video for the first time a week ago, and they were interfacing on stage with it. We really had our only good run-through on Thursday. And then we had a, um, a real dress on Friday before we opened Friday night. And Friday was the first time it all worked properly. <laughs> Friday afternoon. And it's going to work properly today, too, yes. How can people find your films to, in order to watch them? They are all on my website, which is fountain3films.com. And that's almost a, that's all. That's a numeral one. three, right? Yes, the, the three is a number. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. What's the significance of the name Swimmer? Yeah, this is important, and, I, and I, I'm happy to share this all with you. So, The Swimmer is the title of a John Cheever short story. Um, and this has been Yuri's inspiration from the very beginning. Um, in the story, uh, it's a short story in which um, the main character um, has everything in life. Um, he's success, family, and he um, sets out a challenge for himself to swim home by swimming through his neighbor's, I think it's seven pools in the book. Um, and time passes in a surreal way in the book, so that by the time that he gets home, his entire life has passed by. And it's a tragedy. Um, it's a story in which he's lost everything without really realizing that. Um, so that's been the inspiration for this story. Um, Yuri also um, is a Russian, as you all know, and um, had memories of these very iconic things that we're referencing as a Russian um, 
taking notice of American culture, so during his childhood. So the things that I told you that were referencing Nighthawks, Graduate Lolita, um, Catcher in the Rye, a book called Martin's Eden, are all very important to him. And they really fit narratively. Um, they, they are uh, communicating moods and sort of uh, narrative points uh, throughout this ballet. Um, Yuri has created a redemptive ending for this ballet. So while the book ends on a tragic note, um, The Catcher in the Rye comes after that. I think you'll appreciate it a little bit more if I just share this little bit. Um, the idea of The Catcher in the Rye is that it, there's a redemption that occurs. Uh, and I just don't want to give too much away. Um, but so this title comes from John Cheever's story. Mm -hmm. Copyright issue. Was there a copyright issue because of using these iconic artworks? Mm -hmm. uh, that I don't, yeah, that's a good question. It's a good question. Everything you see in the film has been checked five times. Um, uh, yes, we had to be very careful about that. So we can't use anything that's owned by other people. Um, I could mention a couple things. Uh, it's interesting what we learned. Everything owned, everything that has to do with um, space exploration is public domain because it's owned by the federal government. Um, so we got to use some of that. Um, we are, there's a Hollywood movie poster in the film that we um, had to be very careful about. Um, there's other images. So yeah, we basically ended up using everything that's public domain. And then uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, if we create our own original artwork, we're fine with that, um, which is most of it. But yeah, we had to be very careful about that. And there, the San Francisco Ballet has a whole staff that worries about that stuff. <laughs> if there's a short answer question, we can squeeze one more in. Anybody have a short answer? Yes. We use Premiere. Um, the, the, the very end of the film was, was edited in Final Cut, but the main timeline is Premiere for this. And, and tons of work done in After Effects and Illustrator, uh, if you're familiar with those programs. Great, well, we are out of time. I wanna thank you all very much for being here today, and especially thank you, Kate. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> thank you.